This is indeed Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, May 21st. We always have to give that time so that when the when the really cool news comes out on May 22nd, it's not our fault. We can't see into the future, even though you're probably hearing I'm this on the 23rd. Say. We're here, uh, we're recording from the actually a lot of different locations. Let's see, if tonight it is we are at recording. the undisclosed location of the Brett Cave. Valencia, California, Manhattan, and uh, Mr. Friedman, where are you? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. So we're all around the place. Um, and so I, I mentioned myself, and of course, uh, my man announced me, our man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Gotham. That's right. And across from me, the host of the Brett Cave and the podcast producer, Rick Brett Snyder. And we have two special guests with us. We're going to we are going to begin with an interview because they because uh they've it's been late gracious Manhattan. it's late in Manhattan. Very gracious enough to come on board tonight to talk about uh their book. I was going to say new book, but but new mini series in a series of mini series uh called Burn the Orphanage. So we have we have tonight the creators of Burn the Orphanage, Cena Grace and Daniel Friedman. Good evening, guys. Hey, how are you doing? Hi. <laughs> well, we'll all go at once. All right, so <laughs> that's, that's the way our interviews go. So everybody speaks all at once. That's fine. Yes. No, no, it's good. Um, so uh, we were all earlier talking about what we've had for dinner. I think we are past that. And so uh, we can begin. Nate, I asked you to go ahead and kind of take the lead on this. Sure, I'll take the lead. So, guys, talk a little bit about Reign of Terror. Yeah, um, Daniel, why don't you, uh, Daniel, do you want to start this one off or should I? Go ahead. So the series Burn the Orphanage is our love letter to side-scroller beat-em-up games. And as we are allowing the characters and the stories to evolve, we find that our heroes are fighting against a gigantic corporation that's taken over the city um, with an army of robots at their, you know, on their side. And, and it's up to Rock, Bear, Lex, and a couple of other uh, new heroes to basically do what they do best, which is uh, fight, <laughs> like physically punch things till they stop existing. <laughs> so that's that's uh, Reign of Terror for you. All right, well, we hit a little bit of traffic. So, wow, that was dramatic. It, yes, uh, <laughs> it worked. Somebody got run over by a truck. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, that worked out well. I, and so, uh, talk a little bit about. I know you're uh, Cena. You are the artist and and co-writer. So, what's the collaboration like between the two? What's the process of doing this? Am I on? Am I good? Yes, you are. Okay. Cool. 
yeah, there again, Manhattan. I apologize to everyone listening for the <laughs> noise. Um, yeah, and and Daniel, please chime in. Actually, yeah, uh, why don't you start this one off, Daniel, and I'll 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 uh, I'll you know add what I have to add. Sure. So, question was about our uh, our proc uh, your collaboration process. Yeah. So this book uh, shouldn't work the way that we work. <laughs> um, That's why Daniel to answer it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, normally in the past, uh, at least with me personally, I'm a very sort of structured writer. I plan everything out, outline, I do the note card thing. Uh, but Burn the Orphanage is a little bit more uh, the chaos method, which is uh, Cena and I will hang out and, and fight play video and games, play. eat burgers, and, uh, and, and I was about to curse. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do that. But, uh, but basically we hang out and we talk. And we come up with a story and we work it out. And then Cena will just start drawing. And we just sort of organically let the each issue sort of develop, uh, you know, based on some larger plot line we have. And we just sort of go with the flow. And uh, it makes me very uneasy because I don't necessarily know what's going to happen on page 10. But uh, <laughs> we always seem to get there okay. And, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Cena. Well, it, you know, it reminds me of, I think I interrupted someone, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of this intro I read uh, for the, I believe it's Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos impulse books, where Mark Wade just kind of like threw the character into these situations and not and, and never really knew what was going to happen next. Um, you know, the end of the first issue, I believe they're going over a cliff uh, in a convertible and he didn't know you know, how that would resolve and how that would lead to the next story. Um, and, and he was saying, you know, there's a chaos to it, but there's a magic to it. And I think because what we do is so hinged on our friendship and so hinged on so many little things kind of converging that um, I'm okay not questioning it. And, and yeah, to the point, I am also kind of a chaotic creator where I do a lot of um, sorry, I just realized I called myself a creator. That's kind of cool. Um, you are. <laughs> I do a lot of, I do a lot of pages out of order because I know I know what the gist is and I know what my points are and I know the themes I, I want to convey, and and then it's a matter of looking at it, looking at, and from there creating the bridges um, for the narrative so it's cohesive and entertaining. Cool. And, and Daniel, you said it was, you know, it's, it's working out things in, in terms of the larger story. So, you know, and yet at the same time, it sounds like we're not sure what's happening next. So is there a larger, you have a larger goal in mind yourself? I know you, like I said, you like to outline, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first three issues of the first volume were sort of a, you know, learning process for both Christina and I in terms of our working relationship. Uh, we've been friends for many, many, many years, but never worked together. And so. Um, it was a little bit bumpy at first because it sort of went against my, uh, structured way of, of writing. But, uh, but as soon as the first issue was done and I kind of saw it, was able to step back and look at the whole thing. And then I thought, you know, oh, maybe this actually works. And so I've sort of, uh, let it be what it is and just accepted <laughs> the chaos. And, um, but I think, but now, you know, I think it works. And, and for Reign of Terror, we sort of sat down first and we said, okay, what's, the big story we want to tell with Reign of Terror. Um, and then from there, we started to kind of break things down a little bit more than we did with Volume 1, um, since we were telling a five-issue story instead of three 
self-contained one-shots. Um, and so there's a little bit more order to the chaos now, um, but we still leave a lot of room for the uh, quote-unquote magic to happen, which is the, uh, the chaos factor. Of, uh, which includes either Cena just drawing, getting ahead of where we're, he gets ahead of where we are, we're at together, and so, and once art's done, it's sort of uh, we have to accept that's the next page, and so then we sort of jump ahead, and um, there's a lot of weird little tangents that ends that we end up going on because of that, and um, or he'll draw some character in the background, and I'll go, oh, who, who's that guy? I was going to ask, this, and, is, this is like the Lee and Kirby collaboration on Fantastic Four, you know? And- yeah, so that guy will become part of the story, and um, we just sort of let it develop organically. I mean, it's a really weird process, and I've embraced it at this point, and. Um, and you know we do have a sort of bigger story we want to tell, which is going to encompass three, four, five of these sort of mini series. Um, because the way that the volume one worked with three self-contained one-shots, we want to do these sort of mini series. We've been calling it the Hellboy the Hellboy model, where we have mini series that are linear, mm-hmm. and, but they're sort of self. Each each one is sort of a self-contained story within itself, but the next mini series follows previous mini series. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing. No, it actually it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so I was going to ask if you guys were aware that you were following the uh, Eric Larson model for writing. I was oh, not. No. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. I mean, he, you know, there's almost 200 issues of Savage Dragon. He's doing something right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so you guys said this was an homage to the side-scrolling beat-em-up games. Do you have any in particular that you... Uh, you you think were influential in your uh, your studies? Uh, yeah, my yeah. answer is shorter than Daniel's. You go first, Cena. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Daniel has very a very good list, and and to me it's more. I just like remembered the attitude and the way these characters sort of were, and and just like the silliness of it all, and they all kind of blend to me. Like if you look at Final Fight or Streets of Rage. I think they both have main characters who are blonde hair, yeah. uh, black eyebrows, you know, t- like white top or something. And it's the same with Ken from Street Fighter. So it was more like me trying, like m- the thing that I was sort of attracted to was just remembering that, you know, 20 years later and drawing it as I remember it. Um, and then, yeah, Daniel. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, Streets of Rage 2. And, uh, and Final Fight and all those sort of, uh, you know, Genesis games. Um, but, but really, for me, it goes a lot deeper. I played, a, I spent a lot of time in arcades as a kid, which I sadly hardly exist anymore, um, playing the arcade brawlers, like everything from the X-Men game to the Simpsons brawler to the Alien vs. Predator brawler to the Punisher and the Fury brawler. Um, and so I, and when I played these games, I was always playing with a friend. And that was what was so much fun about them. You could do it at home, too, while playing Streets of Rage. But that arcade vibe has sort of been lost. And that's what I think Cena and I are trying to evoke with Burn the Orphanage, is that feeling you got as a kid playing video games together, beating people up. And, uh, and that's, I mean, I think if we, can, if, 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 you, if we can evoke that feeling in people, then I think we've succeeded in doing what we set out to. Um, just because it's just so much fun, and I feel that it's sort of lost today with uh, online multiplayer, uh, you know, with the current generation of games. Um, 
So, but yeah, I mean, issue one of volume one uh, was very much supposed to be a throwback to brawlers. And our idea was that issue two would be a tournament fighter like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. And then issue three was going to be this platformer like Sonic or Mario or Abe's Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the first three issues were very sort of very specific in their inspiration. Um, and now with Reign of Terror and moving forward, we're trying to sort of let Burn the Orphanage be more of its own thing um, and let it develop into a fully fledged uh, world and, and cast of characters. So. so on the flip side of, uh, of Reign of Terror, you've got uh, Liberty Justice. So I, I know that's not that's not you guys, but you know the, I loved seeing that you reached out to other creators and gave them a, a spot in an already established title. So uh, are you going to continue doing that, being like flip previews, or and what attracted you to Liberty Justice? Um, well, you know, Kevin Spacey once said the elevator's got to go back down, and uh, even though we're not selling saga numbers or sex criminal numbers, I I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for somebody saying, I'll give you a chance. Um, and Tyler, uh, he's one of the creators on that book, Tyler Shaneline, mm-hmm. he works at Image Comics and has just been so magnificently like patient with me and has really been so such a fantastic, supportive figure. And so when he said he's, he was delving into creator-owned comics, you know, I, I jumped, I begged for the opportunity. Sorry, and I'm taking all the credit here. Um, but I, I, you know, I was really, I was really excited to help him and, and it, you know, John Lehman did the same for us. John Lehman gave us a preview in his book and Robert Kirkman gave me a preview of not my bag in the walking dead. So yes, read that kind of behavior. Uh, yeah. And Lehman and Kirkman also gave, gave, uh, my previous book on dying love previews. And so, um, I think, yeah, so I think with, with, Burn the Orphanage, uh, you know, again, evoking that, that theme of friendship, uh, we just wanted to reach out and support friends and, and other projects that we, that we like the same way that people supported us. Because um, that's sort of, I guess, what it's all about, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I'll go with that. And we will, you know, we're going to continue with it uh, either by, you know, printing uh, pinups from our friends fan art and then also issue two will have um a short story daniel did online um called stimulus and what's great about that is we brought in another friend from you know growing up together this this guy maz so it's you know it, it, it's all about friendship and it's all about love and i think uh we're more than happy to do stuff like that because it's just fun that's great well um thank you guys so much for agreeing to come on tonight and uh I think this is now our, our second successful live Skype interview and, and we're doing it with two creators on two different coasts at the same time. Modern technology is grand. Next time Europe too. Uh, next time we'll throw in Europe. Fantastic. Yeah, so. Uh, so thank you so much guys and, uh, and, and thank good you. luck with the book. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very thank much. You guys. Thanks guys. Have a good night. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. That was great having uh, Cena Grace and Daniel Friedman from Burn the Orphanage, their latest title, uh, the latest miniseries, Reign of Terror, began just last month. So the second issue should be coming out very soon. And, uh, wow, thank you, Nate, for pointing that one out because I I would not have picked that up if you had not told me. And I really enjoyed the book. So thank you. 
And now we shall preview a little bit of what the the main, I guess, of the show. We've got our comics news. We promised we would. We just had yes. Cena and Daniel on right at the beginning of our recording. So because it's late keep in them waiting. Yeah, I'll take Manhattan. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, could you make me a Manhattan? That'd be great. I could use a drink. Anyway, you're on a Manhattan. Uh, not really a Manhattan, but I could use a drink. Uh, so anyway. Um, We've got some comics news. We've got Marvel and DC fighting over who's going to have the bigger crisis. And I mean actually in their continuity. Uh, some resolutions. We just spent last weekend at Big Wow and had a really great time. And we were so grateful to have Nate back up with us uh, over the weekend. He got a good, It was like old times. It was. He it was a, like old times. He looks times. a lot older. Well, there's other reasons for that. And he scored a great interview. Uh, this is like a, you know, an all-star episode. He scored a great interview with Charles Adlard, uh, the artist of The Walking Dead. And, uh, and then Kid Macaw. Charlie. Charlie. Okay. Uh, and, uh, Kid Macaw, uh, makes his debut as an interviewer with, uh, child uh, artist phenom, uh, Ethan Castillo. And, uh, then we got some movie news because finally, finally, Warner Brothers said, it announced that Batman versus Superman semicolon uh, colon the subtitle has truly been chosen this time we mean it we'll announce what it is in a moment and uh, some TV we got some movie news as well and Rick and I last night did venture up to San Francisco to see X Men Days of Future Past oh, past past oh, past 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 which really comes uh, comes uh, down to this that should have been X Men suck it Brett Ratner. <laughs> and uh, TV, we have some TV news. There's a little preview of my review of X-Men. Wow. Uh, Days of Future Past. <laughs> so, I think it's more like, X-Men, aren't you glad you stuck it out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, prom- we know what went wrong, and we'll fix it from yeah. now on. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so let's get into the comics news. Uh, first of all, this last weekend was the, in addition to the Big Wow Comics Fest, the Motor City comic. It's like there are so many shows going on that I don't know how, you know, creators know where to go. What is it? You know, they have their picking, they have their choices. So you're an autopilot. I'm going to make a drink. Grateful for those who came to San Jose. I'm not an autopilot. I've got Nate. He's still awake. And, uh, but last week was the Diamond Retailers uh, Summit in which Marvel and DC, all the, you know, the, the big uh, publishers, made uh, presentations about what was coming up to the retailers, what could be promised, what uh, was going to help them sell books in their stores. And one of the things that jumped out was that Marvel announced, with the image of two planets about to collide, that Jonathan Hickman is masterminding a jump forward in time uh, in the Avengers books called Time Runs Out. And all the continuity will jump forward eight months. Uh, none of this full even year because that would keep us on an even keel. None of this five years in the future like Future's End. Uh, but the rumor, and you know, we can't say because it's nothing confirmed, is Marvel said we're going to do something that we've never done in our 75 years of history. And so the rumor has come out that potentially Marvel is finally going to come down and reboot their continuity. So uh, I don't like that at all. Well, I still feel like there's some difficulty in Fantastic Four, for example, you know, going from Cold War to, uh, you know, what were they doing? You have to constantly keep sort of updating, but, it, it, you know, it's not really a hard reboot, but they've been going around 50 years of continuity. So, you know, it, it, I don't know. I mean, because to me, Ultimate Comics was the reboot, and they yeah. managed to find a way to do that parallel. But even that's old, you know. But but I like that, you know. In Ultimate Comics, at least everything, anything could happen, and has, 
and did. So, and continues to. Yes, uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, DC is responding by pointing out that uh, this April and May of 2015 will be the 30th anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Earths. So that means we haven't had a reboot in DC for about four years. So I think we'll be overdue by then. And uh, Forever Evil number seven actually begins with uh, the Anti-Monitor appearing uh, in uh, uh, on the first page. So that means, you know, we're going to have, um, yeah, they, they may be moving towards another reboot or a collision of two Earths because they have an Earth one. A collision? Is that the C word we're going to use? Uh, collision on two Earths. Collision on multiple Earths. Collision on your coverage. Uh, <laughs> collision at the Hadron Collider. Uh, so we'll see what that does. The thing that I suppose in, because I love following who owns the copyright of things and then trying to explain it to my son who doesn't understand, you know, it's like, why, why can't we just use whatever characters? Um, the Edgar Rice Burroughs estate, uh, AKA herb and dynamite comics have resolved their legal issues. Dynamite was publishing, uh, Barsoom books and Tarzan books under, Different uh, under different titles claiming that they were all in the public domain, but they have now finally re- settled things with uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' estate. And Edgar Rice Burroughs has pooled all the comics licenses from um, Marvel for John Carter. Dark Horse still has the Tarzan name because they're doing reprints of the Russ Manning work and I guess Gray Morrow and several other fantastic artists from the past who worked on Tarzan. And I know that they have a piece of the Warner Brothers production adaptation of Tarzan that is coming up. Uh, So the Tarzan book will still be called Lord of the Jungle and not officially Tarzan, even though Edgar Rice Burroughs' estate approves of the book 100%. But at least Warlord of Mars gets to be relaunched as John Carter. No, they're going to call it John Carter, Warlord of Mars. They're not going to call it John Carter because nobody in their right mind would call a Warlord of Mars story John Carter and hope to uh, attract a billion dollars worth of box office. So um, we are going to let's play. Let's play. Let's say while uh, while Rick is uh, is mixing drinks, our fabulous bartender. Ooh, he's got there. You love that sound of the clinking and there's ice. Mmm. Mmm. Wait a minute. Is that a maraschino in my drink? Fantastic. You can't mm. do the drink without the garnish. Mmm. Mm. Ah. Anyway, go ahead, Nate. Uh, shall we uh, play a little? Uh, should we go through what's in the bag at this <laughs> point? Stuck play on the that. game. Well, now that you're what's calling it's not a bag? game, you know. What's in the bag? Oh, you changed the theme. He did. It's season two. He of went what's to, in the bag. He went to seven. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they've removed theme songs from sitcoms. Anyway, um, so what's in the bag for you this week, Nate? What's number one on your top three? Number one on my top three is Saga Chapter Nineteen. Loved the cover. Yeah, it yes. was. It loved the whole thing. Even the letters pay- column. Are you in the letters column? Did you no. write them a letter? I did write a letter, though, this week. Did you? Well, if you read the uh, very beginning of the letters column, Mr. Brian K. Vaughn says, Before I forget, anyone else going to San Diego for Comic-Con this year? Fiona and I will both be there, so let's hang out. So he doesn't do the whole email thing, so I hand-wrote a letter and said, Hey, I'm going to be at Comic-Con along with the rest of the Fanboy Planet podcast, and we'd love to interview you. And if you don't want to do that, we'd love for you to take us out to lunch or dinner. <laughs> I like how bold you are. And if you don't want to do that, 
<laughs> I need a job. <laughs> you can also say that if they're going to go to London to pick up their potential Hugo Award this year at um, the WorldCon, uh, I'll be there. Fanboy Planet will be there. World News. Fanboy Planet World News. And all the ships ashore. So that's great. So Saga. Okay. What do you got there, Rick? Okay. So the first one I have is... Forever Evil Justice League 30, and I'm getting this just on the strength of the cover itself because we've got what we expected. Lex Luthor on the front, arms folded in charge of the Justice League. It sure looks that way. I have to catch up. Yeah. Now, does this uh, issue take place before Forever Evil number seven? Or You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. I'm, I, I'm not sure. I think I, it takes place after. I actually followed this on a Bleeding Cool article. It's just, it's Forever Evil number seven and then, first, and then Justice League. That, that makes sense from a story a story plot line. But I was this Allow was myself. This was at the top of my stack, just on the cover. Stack. I believe that the last page of Forever Evil leads into the first page of Justice League. I expect uh, that's what so, I expect. Thank you. Um, Mine, though, the only thing I read today was Burn the Orphanage, Reign of Terror. Um, I picked that one up, too. Is yeah. The Shadow, Midnight in Moscow, Back to Dynamite. Now, I've kind of like you know lost track of my Shadow books, and I'm not even sure if I've read them. But this one, I'm going to start off for number one because it's Howard Chaikin, writing yeah. and drawing The Shadow, which is what got me into The Shadow in the 80s when he did Blood and, uh, Blood and Glory, I think was the Bl- name of the bullets? book. Wasn't it? Bullets? And, bullets and bracelets. Uh, no, something like that. Uh, <laughs> The Shadow. Right. He has sex. Was but, what really caught me in the 80s when he did it for DC. Um, but Chaikin's such a good period. Right. This one's set in the 40s. It has nothing to do with his original DC no. series and his revival there. He's just, you know, he is a great crime writer. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to this. And he, he handled The Shadow well before. He just has an affinity for Pulp Heroes. I've read interviews where he's a little cranky about it, but, you know. And and I, and I say this, having interviewed Howard Chaykin, I have found it to be nothing but kind and gracious, but he can sound cranky. And, you know, so I feel like he goes, ah, I'm not really into the Paul Pierce. I'm just I like the I'm... cover, too, because it's it's obviously Lamar Cran- Lamont Cranston yes. on the front with a shadow of the shadow yes. behind him. Yeah, I like it. So it's it, it, I'm excited for this book. So next. Nate. Nate. Next up is Invincible... 111. Hmm. First issue in a bold new direction. First issue of a startling new era. First issue for a new generation. Okay. Yeah. They're all ones. Get it? Three ones, 111. One, one, one. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I'm very behind on, on Invincible. I'm, I'm buying the trades and pass them on to Luke. And, you know, although. There Is was that appropriate for Luke? There was a turn early on where I realized, yeah, I think it does. It it, it it normalizes with, well, I mean, it's no spoiler now. When his father betrays the Earth early in the run, that <laughs> that was shocking. And, you know, I, so I was like, eh. But no, he really wanted more. So I can see why the father wouldn't give that to his son. Yeah, probably not. And then I say, but join me and we shall rule the universe together. Exactly. Um, I'm sorry, that was more like uh, Mango Habanero came back and said, all right, chili pepper habanero. We've got to come up with a habanero. <laughs> Limeade ham- habanero. That'll be Luke. Uh, join know, me and we'll join, rule the bayou. Or? Join, join me and we will make wings. Chicken wings that everyone <laughs> will love. Uh, chili lamb sauce. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> so anyway, um, 
So yeah, well, Invincible is currently the current, the, actually probably the last eleven issues since one hundred has been uber violent. Okay, thanks that I won't. But I mean, you know, by the time Luke catches up, it'll be okay. That's true. I mean, maybe, he's ten now. Maybe twenty-two, and yeah, no, he's ten now, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, and he's a good judge. You know, he'll if if he something is deemed too violent, he's gone. You know, yeah. he, he just puts it down, and says thanks, Dad. I'll come back to it later. So, I, I'm that's lucky. a good kid right there. I am there lucky go. that way. I can't tell you how much I realized that this weekend. Um, so, oh, Rick. my next one is the aforementioned Forever Evil number seven of seven. And this is in, in mostly so I can kind of ask the question, how long did this thing run? Because it was like in every book for about three months, maybe four months. And then I think that was like a no, good no. two months ago. Uh, uh, no, here's the truth, Rick. I, I, this is how time has passed. This is why I wanted what to. Month, what month is it? It's May. We're in May. In 2014. Do you know when Forever Evil Number 1 started? Did it start in May of? October. October of. Seven months ago. Wow. <laughs> But I understand. This is how it's time just, is flying but on us. The thing is, it's just kind of strung out at the end. The last bit of it just kind of can we reboot? Out. Is what I'd like. Is can younger versions of us? Can we come back and look? You know, I mean, the CW is doing it with the Flash. Can we turn into twenty-five-year-old versions of ourselves, a little callow? I do on a regular basis, but uh, it doesn't work. Well, no. God bless this class. No, the I'm, uh, that was my my point was that the distension of this series as it kind of dribbled out at the end is what I lost track of when how long it had been going on. So, I mean, I dropped a lot. I didn't watch the I didn't do the Rogues one. I didn't do any of the any of the titles. I have all I those, but it's, you know, the way it tells me it's been six months since I've regularly read a, a, DC a, a, a book of of regular like that hasn't been a number one. Uh-huh. Like you know, I've been catching up on things that are new, right? But not keeping up on the old things. So I've got the, oh, they're stacked up. Yeah, and I so want to catch up on the Batman and Robin, which is not Batman and Robin this week. It's Batman and Frankenstein. Yes, you know. So and, and Mick Gray is not the anchor on it. Oh, we didn't talk to him. It I didn't talk to I him did. very well. But I I hadn't seen the book before, so I wouldn't have asked him about that. Well, I know he's back on because he just posted on Facebook today that he's inking Batman and Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. So he's very excited. I think it was just I think it was just a fall behind thing. You yeah. Know, again, there's an issue of trying to make sure that they get, stay on they time. Get it, they stay on time. Which I'll give this to DC. Just like Mussolini made the trains run on time, <laughs> DC's books, even though you don't want to take those trains. They're on time, people. They They're are on, time-ish. on time. The train for Siberia is always on time. Oh, wait, Mussolini didn't send. Forever me. Evil was delayed. Okay, but maybe Just, by by a month. Justice League was delayed. But an, but I can believe it. But an excuse we got Justice League, um, whatever, and Justice League Canada, and a whole bunch of other. Justice well, that League was the same. Shows. One. This is Justice League. God, what was it called? I've already dropped it. It was like uh, Justice League Saskatchewan <laughs> yeah. uh, is is coming soon. So that's really just yeah. yeah, kind of like the Great Lakes Avengers. Iceland, Marvel's already been there. You know, I I we need more Great Lakes Avengers. Um, on my stack, a book that I'm buying only because it's like I was like, how the heck was it going to be a character? Because I haven't paid attention to this for a long time. Dupe. Actually, I love that it's actually Peter Milligan's calling it. All new dupe, dupe because everything else in Marvel right now is the all new X Men. It should all have been dupe this. now. It's, uh, it's um, I enjoyed dupe out of what Ecstatics was what where right. dupe appeared, and he was in Wolverine uh, and the X Men for a while too. Okay, I had him reading on. that, but uh, dupe has evolved himself, so he now speaks English. Wow, and he is in love with Shadowcat. 
Because, well, let's face it, who is not? Yeah. And uh, so he asked Shadowcat to marry him at the end of... Uh, at the end of the first issue, and I just love the cover images Dupe at a shooting gallery, and the title is Faster Shadow Cat Kill Kill. Nice. So a nice homage. Peter Milligan, always just slightly subversive. Glad to see it, and I'm looking forward to reading because Mike Allward at least does the cover and some of, I think, some of the, um, something on the interior. Although it's a different, uh, David LaFuente. Oh, it's is Laura he, Is he doing the layouts? Uh, no, 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 no. And uh, Mike Allred is just doing the cover. It's um, David LaFuente is the artist and Laura Allred is uh, oh, Mike's wife okay. is doing the coloring. Uh, color artist, which I totally agree with. Yeah. You know, and we haven't even talked about that as a recent issue that a lot of creators. And, I, and they can still say Allred on the cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Mike Allred was the artist on Ecstatics. Uh, one of the omnibuses that I really would like to to get, but then again, I don't have a bookshelf strong enough to hold an omnibus. Um, but we, you know, this brings up an issue by seeing this already as color artist is that a lot of artists have begun and writers too um, holding out and demanding that Marvel and DC. We didn't want to talk about this, Marvel and DC give royalties to their colorists and credit ah. them because. Coloring has gotten so subtle, and uh, yeah, I, I was like, came out today? Yes, uh, and coloring has gotten so subtle, and and the demands of coloring have grown so that really, you know, it is a true, it is a true art in a way that maybe fifty years ago it it you was just like, look, the blues are blues, the blacks are blacks. Well, it was it was fifty years ago, or even like thirty or twenty years ago, maybe. Uh, it was just a matter of, of color between the lines, and now coloring mm-hmm. is subtle tones and gradients and yeah. and transparency and all kinds of stuff that you can now do in a digital world that you really couldn't right. do. Right, and I and I've noticed for years how important coloring is. Like if you if, um, if you read, and I know, please Nate, don't don't cringe when I mention Jeff Loeb's name. It's too late. I mentioned Jeff Loeb's name. Don't cry. Cringe. Um, when Jeff Loeb was was starting with Tim Sale and his collaborations, they're like Superman for all seasons. The coloring had so much to do with what made that book work. And then you have someone like Tim Sale, a brilliant artist who is actually colorblind and can't see what they do to his work. Uh, you know, it is it, it, it's all the more impressive. So that's mine. Nate, what is your third book? My third book. Oh. The decisions that I have to make for you guys. I know, I know, it's tough. I'll go with the other one that I read, even though. Anyway, uh, Ma- Mark Miller and Duncan Fagrido's oh. MPH number one. I didn't pick that up, but how was that? I almost. It was did. interesting. I almost did. Uh, go ahead. No, you know, I'm just saying. I, I almost did, and I didn't. So you tell me about it. Oh, yeah. It uh, starts off with the flashback to 1986, and there's just like a... It ends up... It's a human running super... Basically like a Flash type of character, but it's more of a real-world scenario. Like, people are seeing it and going, what is going on? Because it's basically this guy is just running through stuff and causing a ton of damage, and then he stops, and he gets arrested... And they find like a pill bottle on him, and the pill is called MPH. Okay. And then it flashes forward to 2014, and this uh, drug dealer basically sets up his little toady to get caught. The toady ends up in prison. The prison drug dealer ends up finally pushing MPH on this kid, and then the kid breaks out of prison because he's going super fast and everything else slows down. 
Um, so it's basically setting up, you know, this drug called MPH makes you have these super fast superpowers, but you don't know how long it lasts. You don't know what the tie-in is to 1986, and now there's a lot of... Uh, mystery going on but it was a, it was pretty good every time you said mph i thought you said nph neil patrick harris yeah which should be a book <laughs> yeah should be absolutely. or at least a drug oh he is okay um anyway, he was yeah. on howard stern uh was it this week or last week either early this week or late last week hmm. good appearance yeah yeah all right so, uh, next on your stack? So, my last book um, is issue two of Amazing Spider-Man. Again, I picked that up. Slot Ramos. I also picked that up. Uh, I when, when Superior Spider-Man was doing the run, they did uh, some, they did a, like a one-off series of a couple of issues that were back to Amazing Spider-Man stories. And I, I had to, at that time, I commented on what a breath of fresh air Peter Parker was without being all tied up in Dr. Octopus's uh, anger. Can I, and, can I say something about uh, Spider-Man number one? Uh-huh. Was I really appreciated how Slot made the um, Doc Ock's girlfriend yes. know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man? Yes. Because of recognizing a freckle on his navel? Yes. I was like, yeah. These are the problems. Like People are criticizing Ben Affleck. It's like, with that chin, how could you just like... This is one of those things, people. In real life, yeah, it's quite possible yeah, that there's this that little mole, giveaway mole or something. Scar, there. yeah, yeah. So, um, the the, the, only, the only thing that I'm having a little trouble with it is uh, right there on the cover. Uh, they go right to Electro to tie into the movie. Well, we knew he was going to. That's why I thought I, it was also brilliant about Spider-Man Number One, which I just have a little trouble with the the Electro character as a as a villain. You know. Well, yeah, but and, I mean, again, this is Marvel. Yeah. The brilliance of you walked into Amazing Spider-Man Two, and you walked out, and you go into a store a couple weeks later, and there's Electro. Mm-hmm. It's you know, oh, we know that character. Yeah, I want to find out what happened next. Yeah, so, although it has nothing to do with the movie. Right, but it's it is uh, again I, for a magazine that I, I. How many issues do you think there really have been? Because they it must be a million six. It, it must be up to around six hundred by now. Of yeah, probably of Spider Man. Well, uh, what no? Six hundred was when no, he it's stopped. over seven hundred. Six hundred, so uh, yeah, closer to seven hundred. Six fifty. So no, seven hundred was seven hundred came out already. Was that when he swatched over to Superior? Was that seven hundred? Yeah. Okay, okay, so closing closing in on eight hundred, closing in on eight now. Yeah. So for a, for a book that I mean, I've been reading it since like issue seventy, you know, and I and I at, at that time I was going back to the Marvel um, superheroes collections of the yeah. earlier stories. So arguably, I've read every issue of Spider Man out there, and I still am finding this to be fresh and enjoyable and fun. It's just something about this character. Well, and something about the way Dan Slott handles it. Yeah. Let's give credit to getting a it great right back writer. To, and his Ra- Ramos art is just, uh, I mean, yeah, his Yeah, I blow hot and cold on Ramos, but I've gotten, I've liked it, I've grown to I like it I think he's matured more. a lot uh, lately. Yeah, that's true. His that's proportions true. are more reasonable. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> I, yeah, that was my problem with him early on in his image days and so forth. So, uh, or Top, top Cow top days. Cow, yeah. yeah. Uh, so mine is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season 10, number three. Haven't read it, but here's what's notable about it. Uh, Nicholas Brendan 
mm-hmm. actually writes co-writes the issue with uh, with Christos Gage. Uh, of course, because of the episode explain who Nicholas Brennan is. Nicholas Brennan is the guy who played Xander. On, yes. I was going to get there. Oh. Uh, plays the guy who played Xander, and, and people who are fans know. So, in case you are a fan of Buffy, and people people I talk to people find Buffy all the time because of it's uh, definitely running on Netflix quite a bit. Nicholas Brennan is an actor who's sort of dropped out of the public's eye for a while, though I guess he has a horror film coming back out. Mm. But he's been noticeably. I, I shouldn't say noticeably absent. It's just he's dropped a, away for a bit. And to have him come back and tackling uh, on writing and, and the issue in which, of course, you remember from the classic series that he was the uh, the Renfield to Dracula when Dracula showed up in oh, Sunnydale. Yeah. And when Dracula returned in season eight, I believe, uh, it was a very funny yep. thing. But Nicholas Brennan had nothing to do with that. And so to have him come in, I haven't read it yet, but just to have... He did release him, I think, yeah, in, the in guy, the series. The guy who knows... Well, and, and, and uh, Dracula teamed up with Buffy. Like, yeah. be, you know, it was a, it was a help. Um, you know, to have the guy who knows the character from the inside, I think those are the things that I, I think are valuable you get an interesting characterization from someone who's played it for seven years yeah and to, to return back and see and see what has changed so if you were not aware as a fan that this was happening then by all means run to the store get your buffy season 10 number three and you can go back and get the uh the prior seasons or i mean they've got fantastic the, trades the or the big omnibuses, omnibuses. Yeah, yeah. i'm going with trades for my daughter yeah because yeah. these big hardbacks they're nice but well, she but can either get a gym membership or yeah, get yeah. trades well, I started on the trades first. The hardbacks. I started on the trades first, and then they released the hardbacks. So you yeah. can't go back and redo it. you got to work up in your weightlifting. It's like getting Walking Dead. You know, Now you can choose a variety of different kinds of volumes. Well, speaking of that, um, they're now taking pre-orders for Doom Patrol, uh, Omnibus, all of the Grant, um, Grant, Grant Morrison. Morrison stuff in one volume. DC, I love you and I hate you. And the other thing I'd say, DC, is that you may notice that what's attracting me is the old good stuff. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Although, again, I will go with the crazy. I will take a look at that Jeff Lemire and Green Arrow. But um, speaking of Walking Dead, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the great interview that. At least I hope it's great, Nate. I really haven't heard it yet. Uh, that <laughs> I listened to it. <laughs> that, that's Rick's job. I will listen to it in the context of the entire episode. Uh, you got an interview at Big Wow Comic Fest at the San Jose Convention Center this last weekend with Charlie Adlard, who is the artist of Walking Dead. How you know? It was all but eight issues. The first eight was Tony Moore. First seven or eight, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, a really long run. Uh, which is something you're noticing with independent creators. You know, you don't see people staying on Marvel or DC books that long. Although Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bag- Bagley stayed a long time in Ultimate Spider-Man, but that was really mm-hmm. unique. And now this is now, man, this guy has stayed consistent. This is like 130 issues straight. And that's where his bread and butter is. So um, let us turn this over to the tones of Nate Costa at the Big Wow Comic Fest, talking to Charlie Edlard. Nate Costa here with Charlie Adlard, artist of the Walking Dead comic book, as we know it today. Charlie, is this your first time in San Jose? It is my first time in San Jose, yes. And you live overseas, correct? I do. That is correct. I live in the UK. And you've been, it seems like, pretty busy the last uh, few weeks. Uh, The last few weeks have been rather intense. I flew out to the Philippines 
to do some store signings uh, for a, uh, uh, for a guy that I know who runs a big bookstore called F- Fully Booked over there and uh, yeah, three days worth of signing and uh, interviews over there in the Philippines and then flew across the, sp- the Pacific to be here and then going home on Monday Woohoo! <laughs> and then heading right back out for San Diego right Yes, but I'm only going to be in San Diego for one day because it's actually a holiday for myself and uh, my wife and kids. So we're actually staying out two weeks prior to the to the con, and then just so happens to coincide with the con. So uh, I uh, said I'll give them a day. <laughs> hey, but I'm paying for it, so you know. Well, there you go. That'll be fun. So, in terms of the process of doing Walking Dead, I'm assuming Robert emails you scripts. So how far? In advance, do you get a script before the book is actually due to hit the stands? Uh, it really depends. I mean, the the advantage nowadays to digital publishing and everything is you can pretty much go up against you know the deadline really closely, rather than the old days where you had to rely on so many other factors. But um, at the minute, when I get home, I'll be starting 130, so we are a couple of issues ahead. And actually, we got ahead, ironically. Even more when I was when we were doing the uh, bi-weekly, where we we'd have where, where really the chances of us falling behind were a lot greater than uh, than actually getting ahead of ourselves. But amazingly, we got ahead of ourselves. Very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so I know that you've had another inker during the bi-weekly. Is he going to yes. stay on? For the foreseeable, Stefano is going to stay on. Um, I mean, we're working really well together. Every issue Stefano does gets better and better. You know, uh, it's no secret. I'd love to ink myself. I always have done. It's not like, uh, yeah, this is something I've never done before. So, um, but just time and everything, it just makes it easier. Plus, it gives me now, now we've stopped doing the bi-weeklies. Uh, bi-weeklies. Oh, if only. Uh, bi-monthlies. Um <laughs> Now we stop doing that. We can. Uh, I can concentrate on other projects as well. So you can work on more than one thing at a time. That's the idea. <laughs> How much uh, creative input do you have? I know Robert's. You know, writing away. When he sends you a script, do you say, you know, maybe we do something else with this, or do you pretty much just write whatever he, or draw whatever he tells you to write? Good Lord, do you draw pretty much whatever he writes? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. There's a couple of factors, really. The factor is, you know, we are doing a monthly, so it's time. Um, so we can't really spend too much time discussing what, you know, the process or, or, and things like that. So when Robert does send me a script, I kind of just tend to draw, you know, what, what, what is in the script, for instance. Um, but, you know, having said that, he only ever gets to see the finished page. It's not like I'm sending him in pencils and things like that for approval. So it's a very healthy respect for each other's um, crafts, I think, is probably the best way to put it. But, yeah, if you, but like I say, you throw in the time factor, you've, got to, you've just got to get it out there. So it's, it's hard to... What, 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 what's a good way of describing me? It's hard to sort of be too picky on stuff, you know, because it just isn't the time. Absolutely. So we'll wrap it up real quick. Do you have anything you want to plug coming up? Oh, well, uh, 
Robert, Robert and I are doing another uh, book together, just a, a one-shot called The Passenger, which was announced a few years ago at uh, San Diego, but uh, since then we have, shall we say, fallen by the wayside somewhat with it. But I'm determined to see it out there, and uh, it's going to be a European-styled um, bond designé graphic novel, as they say, so it's a very sort of French-like in terms of its shape and its... Uh, it's storytelling technique because I'm a big fan of uh, the European comics industry. So that will hopefully be out next year. Finally, I'm you know 43 pages into it of a 56-page book, so uh, we're getting there. Um, and after that, uh, so basically the main reason we've kept Stefano on is uh, I've got another French book that I'm going to do after that called Vampire State Building. Published, it's going to be published by Soleil. Uh, which is French for the sun, um, over in uh, over in France. So I'm very excited about that because, uh, yeah, like I say, I love I love how they do things over in France. So it's it's a great honour to be uh, working with their industry as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time. I know you got a lot to do here. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you hopefully in the day you're in San Diego. Thanks a lot. No, I'll put it back here. <laughs> That's great. When I listen to it, when this whole episode is complete, I'm going to probably be very dazzled. What I had to cut out, <laughs> Nate, because it was before your introduction, was his explanation as to how to pronounce his name. Yes. Do you I remember, do like do you that. Do you remember what he and said? Derek nailed it. Well, because Rick yes. told me the story last night. I would have said yeah. Adler, you know, so it's good. But he said it's it's like a very unhealthy cooking ingredient. <laughs> yeah. Instruction, in cooking instruction. Yes. Adlard. Absolutely. And I was born in the town of lard so uh manteca manteca um so uh, that's a trivia contest for a question for later in the season not tonight but i might come <laughs> back and say all right archivist where was Derek born um lard no no the actual actual name of the town it's not lard but it means the word <laughs> means lard ah so um Anyway, uh, the other great interview we snagged, and because and, Nate and I have circled around this interview for a couple of years now, two you know, two big wows in a row, and then we saw him at WonderCon. This kid, Ethan Cast, I got confused in pronunciation. Now, and Nate points out most people would say Ethan Castillo. Uh, I believe his father said Ethan Castillo to me, so I'm like, okay. Um, regardless, this boy we first encountered him he was Ethan the Sea. Ethan the Sea. He. Uh, we encountered him last year. He was eight years old doing, if I know that you like Humberto Ramos, because he was doing these fantastic prints of basically copying, uh, but freehand, not tracing or anything. Right. Freehand copying uh, pinups of Spider-Man. Visual Spider reference. Visual reference. Copying Spider-Man, visual reference of Spider-Man in the style of Humberto Ramos. Really great. This year, he's obviously been working for a year. Uh, he comes back as a nine-year-old. We saw him at WonderCon. Nate and I walked by the booth, looked down, and went, he's gotten even better. Yeah, I mean, it's frightening how how good this kid is. And we watched him. He was on stage. They had the live draw uh, stage at, at Big Wow. And so my son and I both watched him draw an entire you know Spider-Man maquette, basically, or you know, uh, headshot. And, you know, just watching him pick colors and his understanding of color theory and shading and knowing exactly which Coptic marker he wanted his, to... His marker bag had easily 50 markers in it. He really knows, you know, and, and it's amazing. He's he's a phenomenon. I mean, that's... Uh, what's it? 
he's a savant at, at art. I mean, I don't know if that's quite the right word. Uh, uh, he's prodigy. very talented. He's a prodigy. So we thought um, that uh, because my son was very blown away last year meeting him and was very excited, and that's all I could talk about when I said, we're going to go to Big Wow. Was Ethan still going to be there? And he said, yes, Ethan will be there. So he was very excited. So we had uh, Luke, 10-year-old Luke, sit down with 9-year-old Ethan, and uh, we go nerd to nerd, uh, proudly, proudly, uh, nerd to nerd, talking about uh, Ethan's work. So I I am proud to announce the debut of uh, my son Luke as as an interviewer for the Fanboy Planet podcast. Cub interviewer, Kid McCaw. What inspired you to start drawing? Um, when I was very small, I used to go on YouTube all the time and uh, start looking at drawing videos, and I was like, "How? I wonder how cool it is to be an artist." And then I just kept watching those videos over and over again until I started actually doing them. And then when I did them, I felt this is pretty fun. And then I just kept on doing it. And then, yeah, then I just got out there. Interesting. Who's your favorite art artist? Uh, I have two. Uh, number, uh, number one is Umberto Ramos. He does most of... He does a lot of Spider-Man stuff. Uh, comic books. And Brian Stegman. Who also, they also do Spider-Man stuff. Um, and I used to... Like, like those were the only two people I used to draw from. Ever, probably. I used to draw from Who's your favorite character? To draw, my favorite character is Spider-Man. And maybe a little bit of Batman. Yeah. They're pretty cool. What has been your favorite comic book story? Um, There is a kind of a separate... Well, I have two. There's a kind of a separate universe called Ultimate Spider-Man. It's in the Ultimate Universe where he doesn't, he technically dies... But in the Ultimate Universe, it's different from their regular universe, so he doesn't really die. But in the Ultimate Universe, he dies. And then I also like um, the Superior Spider-Man. It's in their regular uh, universe, and it's basically about... Um, so, Dr. Octopus takes over... Well, Dr. Octopus' body is dying, but then he's, at the last minute, he switches his brain into Spider-Man's brain. And he kind of takes over his body. So then Peter Parker is in Dr. Octopus's dead body. But she's still a ghost. So he can still kind of take over. And then the last one, which is 31, he does manage to get out. So that was the last superior Spider-Man, 31. Very interesting. Do you ever draw DC superheroes? Yes, I if, if yes, who is your favorite to draw? I do draw a lot of DC superheroes. I draw like sometimes Batman, uh, maybe some Superman. Oh, depends on how hard it is because I could kind of draw any if I wanted to. But sometimes if it's like I don't know, like Lex Luthor in his body armor. That's a little hard, you know? Yeah. Especially to add all the details to it. So it depends sometimes. Cool. Is Spider-Man your all-time favorite, even though that's kind of obvious? Um, 
Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Because mm -hmm. I just love it because he, he's, he really is a teenage boy who gets these powers and tries to have some fun with it, you know? Like, if you yeah. have powers, yeah. of course you'd want to have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Do you ever create your own characters? I I always play around with my ideas sometimes in my head. Like, sometimes I create, like, Arachnid. It's kind of like an Arachnid kid, I guess. <laughs> and, like, uh... Oh, this is, idea just came in my head. That boy. That just came in my head right now. But, yeah, I sometimes create characters just to get some fun out of it. Cool. What's your favorite Marvel video game? Uh, there's a new... I just got the new video game. Amazing Spider-Man number two. It is so... I'm so addicted to it. Like, I was playing, like, two hours this morning. It's so fun. Do you someday want to design your own video games? Yes and no. Because I want to work for comic books. But I've always wanted to do graphic design for video games. I've always wanted to do designs for video games. But I also want to do comics. So... Comics do help you kind of like with the graphic art for video games, like the designing. So if I do comics, I might be able to somehow break into doing video games, you know? Since it says you're a nerd on your card right here, yeah. what level of a nerd do you think you are? On a scale of 1 to 10? <laughs> Probably either 10. Or 11, if that counts. I guess you could say 11. Because I'm always trying to beat Peter Parker for some reason. Like, I always, like, I always try to make my hair like him. Like, this morning, I was, like, messing around with my hair, trying to make it, like, stand up and everything. Like, Andrew Garfield, the new actor. But, yeah, I also like Star Wars. So, uh, I used to always go to the things and, like, wear my Jedi robes and stuff like fake lightsabers just so I could uh, play around with them. So yeah, probably 11. <laughs> yeah. Probably. So I think welcome. that's ending and thank you and goodbye. Thank you. That too, I will be glad to listen to. <laughs> this is all done. <laughs> we were there, you know, and it was, and, and I, I heard it, and it was great. And I, there was a uh, an artist uh, next to next to Ethan, who we even went back the next next day, and he made a point of this adult artist of talk of leaning down to Luke and saying, "You were great yesterday." So you know, it, it's it was fun. Um, so. That's it for comics this week. I do want to mention as we transition to movies, the other big wow thing is we're very proud of our own Lon Lopez, who won with uh, with his AFAM action figure action movie episode one. How's that pronounced, Nate? AFAM. There you go. Yeah, we need the soundbite. Um, <laughs> the power of brains compels you. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, and Epic Wow, I bought first volume of iZombie, so I'm halfway through that, uh, trying to get a, a grip. Although I think the CW series will have nothing to do with it. We'll have little beyond that basic setup. Uh, that, uh, uh, Lon with a fam, a fam, uh, episode number one, The Setback, <laughs> won Best Animated Short at the Famous Monsters of Filmland, uh, film festival. And I realized, man, you know, that is so cool that they actually had this banner made up, and Lon's going to be able to. So the next time we do a Moron versus Fanboy, I'm it's sure going to be behind you. There's going to be this fantastic banner of famous monsters, like 
dang it. And I had, they had a screenplay competition. I'm like, I need to enter my screenplay next year because I want a banner. I mean, not a guarantee <laughs> that I'd win, but it's like, I want a shot at a banner like that. That's an aw- That's better than the rocket ship that, that, it was not really, no. but no, it's not better than the rocket ship that you that you know the Hugo has for the Hugo. But I, he might be just as jealous of the banner. So, um, which means that Jalan will get focused uh, focused on in um, the next issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. It has a pretty w- wide readership and a big web presence. So, congratulations! It's great, and, and he's working on his and next we're working episode. on the second episode. The animation's almost done, and we're going to do the voiceover very soon. So, very proud of that. As we transition to movies this week, and you know who else transitioned to movies? Warner Brothers <laughs> claiming, really? No, they truly have begun filming. Are they just now transitioning to movies? Batman versus Superman. Only I believe the title is Batman v Superman. It's a legal battle. It's an hour and a half of David E. Kelly taking his <laughs> unused scripts from Wonder Woman and furiously writing in Batman and Superman instead. Uh, it's an episode of Boston Legal. Batman has bullet bracelets. And, yeah, something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Batman is Ali McBeal. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, the subtitle now is officially, because they've announced that they've begun filming Dawn of Justice, which I think is, again, I, I tweeted out, ironic because Dawn is the only comic book character not currently appearing in the Batman vs. Superman movie. So, because uh, Joseph Lindsner is not, you know, Cry for Dawn is not part of the DC. Not part universe, of the DC. Yeah. And that's the only reason I see why where she's not there. there. Yeah. I, I felt, I saw the glimmer of what in your eye. Maybe that was the Maraschino Cherry. I was trying talking. to think if there was a DC character named Dawn, no, too. Well, there's Dove. She's a Dawn in a secret identity. And there's no Hawk and Dove okay. in this movie. That's true. I, but I was thinking Cry for Dawn. Gotcha. Uh, so anyway, um, Dawn of Justice. And we know that it is the beginning of Justice League. I like what... Uh, I still can't see where the... You retweeted, uh, I thought, the great commentary. Oh, no, it's on Facebook. It's not on my Twitter feed. About if, Ca- if Marvel had done it, it would be Captain America... The first one would be called Captain America. Believe the Avengers, are, the Avengers on deck. are on deck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that kind of no. I swear, eventually we're going to make the movie you want us to make. So, uh, but it is interesting because uh, I I looked back on and I had not realized I did get the uh, the press release from it. And one of the things, what well, you know, cameras roll on director Zack Snyder's Batman vs Superman, Batman v Superman. Excuse me. Um, with, uh, of course, Gal Gadot, Amy Adams, Lawrence Fishburne, Diane Lane returning, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, and Holly Hunter in a role newly created for the film. But more importantly, and I think some people are going to be happy about this, and Daniel Friedman was going to talk about it, but he left, uh, was that it is officially written by a man named Chris Terrio, who was the screenwriter on Argo from a screenplay by David S. Goyer. So they've had a serious rewrite from what David S. Goyer did, who remains an executive producer on the film. Um, one, I'm glad, you know, let Goyer focus on Constantine on television. Mm-hmm. But two, I liked the screenplay for Argo. It was written by a man who clearly understood comics. And so, actually, this gives me a little more hope for it that he's that he's writing it. Um, and we've recently learned that David Goyer might not understand comics at all. Yeah, well... I, Rick and I were arguing this, and so we can we can segue into this. He was, he, you know, when you hang out with stoners and you're not really partaking, but you still start acting like them. That is not what's <laughs> happening to you right now, Rick. Yeah, um, and you're the one. I learned it from you. Uh, shush. <laughs> Shut up and eat your food. Is my new catchphrase. Uh, so 
Uh, yeah, to, to fill in for those not aware, David S. Goyer was appearing on the the screen. Um, I, 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 I actually subscribed. Script Notes, Script Notes podcast, which did a live show. Uh, I believe it was, was it a Meltdown Comics, Nate? Do you? I don't know where they recorded. I can look it up. Oh, no, it might have been at the WGA. They, they actually got mm-hmm. into the WGA room, and uh, it, it is not up uploaded. I don't think it's officially uploaded. I think it was just the, the they did the live show, and then people, the gossip has gotten out. Uh, it was. I uh, thought it was uploaded. They had uh, the first article I read said the podcast was up, then it was taken down, and then it was put back up. Okay, part of the problem is for me is that you know my iPhone is not working as well. To I can't pick up Wi-Fi anymore, hmm. so it's not up, updating. Well, I haven't been able to for several, several weeks, uh, and uh, so it's not updating. And I, I don't have the update, but I, I I do listen to Script Notes normally. That is uh, John August and Craig Mason's uh, podcast, so fantastic. Uh, it, it was recommended to me by a couple other people down in LA, and they said it's probably the best screenwriting podcast there is. If you're interested. Some great episodes and their interesting conversations, um, but yeah. So there was the screenwriters from Captain America, uh, with the Winter Soldier, and then David S. Goyer. And David S. Goyer just kind of slagged on She Hulk as a character, uh, Martian Manhunter as a character, and uh, gave his dark, grim, and gritty reenvisioning of Martian Manhunter mm-hmm. that was just horrific. Um, and Rick was saying, it seems like he was probably probably trying to be funny, which I've seen David Goyer. Uh, at conventions, he doesn't really try to be funny, but maybe, maybe if you're but, in, you're in the crowd and everyone else is being, because like, it sounds take, like, yeah, it may be you, with those guys. You said the Writers Guild Theater, Derek. I think it was the WGA Theater. Yeah, correct. Writers Guild Theater in Beverly Hills. Yeah, because I just listened to a podcast where they talked about it being upcoming. So, yeah. So anyway, he caused a lot of controversy, and a lot of people, as you say, are not feeling. Uh, so I've learned a new word uh, today. For a concept that I have thought has been a problem, and when people approach me, because believe it or not, even though we're out of San Jose, people do, I think, outside of Hollywood, I've obviously been tapped on a couple of projects, that Catwoman Loves Loves Batman project that I did, you know, that they say, you've got the nerd cred. So there's this new term, nerd farming, which is to pretend to be a fan in order to profit off of fandom. And uh, so there are a lot of people now accusing, and I want to say I will defend David Esquire on this. No, he wrote JSA. The whole reason people love Blade is because he wrote Blade. Jeff Johns is Jeff Johns because David S. Goyer gave him a hand up and had him co-writing early issues of JSA, which David S. Goyer created that revival. Mm. So he is a guy with a credibility. I disagree with his viewpoints on a lot of characters, but he is not he is not trying to profit off of us without being one of us. Dicky tacky one of us. Uh you know, so <laughs> it's uh he is he's legit. I he just has a very different attitude, which you know, I again, I don't agree with him. I I there are things with like, you know, obviously we have our issues with Man of Steel. Yeah. Um but yeah, the things he said about She-Hulk were just kind of like a, mm, you know, ill conceived. They were the kind of things that Nate's character says about She-Hulk in Crackpot Comics. But <laughs> <laughs> there's an irony to Nate 
staying silent on this issue. Oh. <laughs> Look it up, people. Crackpot Comics, film we did a few years ago. Uh, so uh, starring you should have all watched it already. They should have. Well, we always find new people, and it's uh, all every episode is available on uh, Family Planet. So uh, which one are you in? Day five. Yeah, Hank. Pilgrim, you're in a few days, the fifth. Right? I'm on the fifth Friday. Day. I'm on the Friday. Okay. Are you I, I think Friday? it's the fifth. Did I don't we have, not get pick up any coverage of you actually signing? Nope, never did. It's just before. It's a Saturday. They, oh, there that's is, a shame. A, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's too late now. Extended director's it's cut. Never yeah, too late. Sure, well, <laughs> I go back in there and three uh, D. Sadly, I wish I could say I've lost a lot of weight since then, but I say it's quite the opposite. So it's even <laughs> bad, worse. I, I'll get back down to it. Because you know, you know, I got to get in shape for a, a stage reading of Taming of the Shrew, where I'm Petruchio in mm. the end of June. So, uh, or Fatruchio, if that's what you'd like to see, uh, Pork Truchio. Women like their men hefty. Let me. Well, the, they like them funny, and I'm okay then. Um, the second Guardians of the Galaxy trailer dropped. I, I use the the phrase right. Well, it it dropped after two teasers. The second. Oh my God! But still, it was like you know, it truly was. I I posted reposted on when I could finally get to it because my work internet was a problem, was a problem on Monday. But it was like when I got home and I watched it, it was like this was what it was like. Honestly, I felt like I was eleven again, watching the first trailer for Star Wars. Uh-huh. Only the difference is this time around, I knew who the characters were. Yes. I had some anticipation, but I have that kind which of would make it all that much more awesome. Yeah, yeah. Maybe more like being 13 and watching the Empire Strikes Back trailer. There you go. Because that's what I felt like. Ah, ah, what are you going to do? And even, and I'm now the biggest Bradley Cooper fan in the world. I'm like, no, he's Rocket Raccoon. Okay, yeah. I'm there. And Vin Diesel is Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. You know, and everything about Star-Lord. I love that. You know, I was watching something. that The thing about how, oh, uh, I was reading an interview about how, like, you know, that's one of the issues is that whole joke about I am Star-Lord is because, of course, who in the mainstream audience has any any right. notion of who he is? So your first appearance is Star Lord, you know, and it's like who? No, that's yeah. the audience. The Kree are just like us. Yep. They're just like us. And the uh, and and it, uh, as Rick pointed, it reminded me that fantastic Norman Greenbaum's Spirit, Spirit in the, the Sky. Sky. It's like James Gunn chose two of my most feel good songs on my iPod when I'm just really at a. I need to just chill out and bliss out to a song. I go to spirit. I go to. I swear to God, I go to spirit in the sky, and I go to hooked on a feeling. And you know, there's like two of my favorite songs from the '60s and '70s. Yeah. So um, you know, just just I feel like I, I feel very close to Star Lord, and not just because our abs match. Yes. <laughs> match? You mean like the uh, no? Um, meaning that everything that Chris Pratt had, he added to mine and took away and loved his. Um, I had a fat implant, uh, implantation. It was a done. sacrifice you made for the better for the good film. of this sh- of this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Disney started releasing images from another superhero movie. We everybody keeps forgetting about because coming out in November, uh, the animated the first animation crossover between Marvel and Disney, which is Big Hero Six, which is. I think that this cartoon will not be set in any larger, obviously because it's a different style, of a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's exactly the kind of, of title that could easily just be taken out. It doesn't need to. They're creating, right. uh, you know, so we still don't know. Very, We know very few of the of the voices involved, but they have started releasing a, a few images. And I think we're really going to, the ball is going to start rolling probably about 
uh, July. We're going to start seeing a, a serious trailer. Oh, no, a serious trailer drops tomorrow, which means by yesterday, for those of you listening, uh, that you'll have seen it. We have not yet seen it. I will be watching it tomorrow. So it's, we're we're kind of in that space right now. I was thinking just the, uh, after we saw after I saw Godzilla, what a shame it is that Marvel right now. I don't think anybody could put out reprints of the Marvel Godzilla series because not only was it a good Godzilla series, but it featured Shield. Yeah, at the same time, and that would be quite a, that'd be quite a quite a hot uh, item on the uh, shelves right now. I do think there's a showcase. I think, but it's all you know. If you can find it, it's not not something you could order right now. And there, there may be still copies of it in print. I think they did do it. Is it in a Marvel Essential? I think there is a Marvel Essential Godzilla. Godzilla. Hmm. So um, it was all Herb Trimpey. Yeah, artwork. Herb Trimpey artwork. Jimmy Woo. Yeah. Dum uh, Dum Dugan and uh, the, the Shogun Warriors appear. Yes. yes. Yeah. Spider Man. Everybody. What a, everybody a great series. Godzilla. And uh, you know, yeah. Pick up the Godzilla the Godzilla comics right now, and they're okay. They're, but they're standard like IDW's doing them. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a that was a nutty bringing Godzilla into the Marvel universe was a bold. We move. had many issues. My my brother and I collected. Uh, I think we had the first eight. You know, Do you remember the one? The my favorite one was when Godzilla got miniaturized. No, and I he was that. he was in the sewers of New York <laughs> as mini Godzilla. That's funny. That's funny. It was a great. It was a great series. I can't remember yeah. who wrote that. That might have been Bill Mantlo. Was he? Because he was like the go to guy yeah. at that time. He was the one who did all the adaptation stuff. Uh. I did not see this trailer, but just to say that um, Mark Millar's and Dave Gibbons' uh, Secret Service uh, is coming out. The trailer was released. Matthew Vaughn uh, directed this. They're calling the movie Kingsman, uh, or Kingsman, but it's one word, Kingsman, the Secret Service. But it is based on the, uh, the independent comic by Millar and Gibbons. And so Matthew Vaughn, of course... Uh, left the the direction of X-Men Days of Future Past in order to direct this film. And uh, so Jane Goldman, who is uh, Jonathan Ross's wife and had written uh, X-Men First Class, wrote the first draft of Days of Future Past. She went over to Matt, with Matthew Vaughn to adapt this secret service, which put Simon Kinberg in the main screenwriter's seat for uh, for X-Men Days of Future Past. And Rick and I have seen X-Men Days of Future Past actually in Lucky. the day past. Yes. Just one day past. Barely made it. Barely made it. We Tomorrow I'm going back in time to watch it again. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, no, I, I think this weekend I may pay money this weekend to watch it yeah. not by myself. Um, you know, We'll be at Baycon. Rick and I will be at Baycon. Uh, I think we're, negoti- we're about to negotiate with uh, Nate after the podcast uh, about that to see if we have Wi-Fi to include there. We'll be Bacon on Sunday, uh, but that's the only day the Fanboy Planet will be there as a present. So, although Rick will be there. I'll be there Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, but I will have prizes. Uh, So, anyway, uh, we did see X-Men Days of Future Past, and this is the point where you have to be kind of spoiler-free because, of course, uh, Nate has not seen it. And this is one of those... Nor has anyone else. else, No, some have. But by the time you listen to this, I'd really like to be able to have a conversation in a week or two with people about... What are the potentials? Because it's a conversation to have with the with the fans really getting involved. Because I felt like day, like first class, uh, these were two X Men movies that were embracing uh, finally 
oh yeah, they're comic books, and, and yeah. the, which the the Wolverine did to some extent because it was so heavily based on the yeah. Frank Miller, Chris Claremont yeah. uh, one. But this really, like from the beginning, it's like this is although there are plot holes big enough that Blink could run through them in a couple of places. Uh, you see what Blink I did there? could push a sentinel uh, through one. Could push a sentinel through. Um, it was still so much fun. And here are, here are my shocker revelations. They're not spoilers. I'm just going to say, I was fully prepared to despise the portrayal of Quicksilver. Ditto. And, totally. And then we walked out, I think both walked out of that movie last night saying, you know what there wasn't enough of? Quicksilver. Quicksilver. <laughs> and he was handled so well. And I think there was a I think there was a missed opportunity. I hate to be the kind of critic who goes, Well, it's not the way I would have done it. Yeah. But I felt like there was a missed story closure thing that they needed to do with him. Yeah, I felt like they wanted to stay with the core senior X Men and not because well, I understand so much that. happens. So much mature stuff happens to to the yeah. But those. I think when you when you introduce a character that could very well have been a fan yeah. favorite, and you know you have to switch the focus of yep. of the series because it, and this is no spoiler. It's just Hugh Jackman has said he doubts that he's really going to play like he might do a third Wolverine solo film if the script is great. But he's really looking at just retiring. This may have been his last outing as Wolverine. Yeah. You're going to have to replace him. It's like George Lazenby stepping into Bond. That first Wolverine replacement is going to be a sacrificial lamb. Um, or maybe not. Maybe not. But but let somebody else take the take the. We reins. went from Darren to Darren without too much trouble. I didn't realize it until years after it had happened. Yeah. So, you know, but that's that's a different case. It was a sitcom. I was, I was three. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't watching Bewitched uh, religiously and carefully for plot continuity. Mommy Darren, funny. No, it's just not the same. Yeah. Now he has now he has one of those clefts. Uh, so, anyway, uh, but it really did. The, the again, no spoiler. But the upshot is that uh, very fun, great characterization, fantastic work from the younger actors, um, and. I suspect a farewell as well to Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. I felt that Ian McKellen looked old um, because he is, yeah. Uh, and you know that there, it was good to be able to to just officially say we are passing the torch on to a young, to the. It'd be actors. easy given this to write McKellen out. Yes, um, Patrick Stewart's a little harder to write out. No, I but I, I, think I think if you go back in time or whatever, we'll see because it depends on where the next one goes. We'll go on where the next one, but the most important thing is. The last stand never happened. So now, spoiler. This, I, well, no, because that's been out there. That's been rumored. Okay. And so we're just going to say that's that's what the purpose of this film was to write the franchise to say there were a lot of mistakes made, and now everything's wide open again. On, on top of that, I mean, the idea that we're going to come up with another movie, and I think for one thing, I expect the fan voice is going to be heard loud, and I expect. Quicksilver to return in the next. In the oh, next movie. I think so. Whatever it is, I, the plan's already made because yeah. this is no spoiler. Again, the next movie title has been announced. We know who the villain is. Yeah, I mean, I heard somebody walking out last night saying, "Like, oh, the critics have to wait till Friday to tell us who was that yeah. guy at the end." Yeah. But you know, but that was that was a moment like watching Avengers when I was at the press screening of Avengers, and when <laughs> when Thanos turned and all the fans went, Wah! and 
And all the moms went. <laughs> and all these people on the other side, on either side of me, were like, um, "Who was that? Why did everybody just lose it?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like just, just, just go with it, okay? Um, and, and it was done cleverly, you know, and interestingly. So we'll we'll see. Um, I thought it was good to see, you know. I just the other thing I was was this is one of those rare movies where 3D was used not as a distraction but as an aid in telling some of the story. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think you have to see it in 3D, but I will say that it does actually enhance a few scenes. And Brian Singer was shooting things knowing that there'd be a 3D layering. And it reminded, and not very many 3D movies many, have but done this. I know that Blink's special effect was definitely helped by that. Far more effective in that. you know. So I would go with, you know, whether people agree or disagree with the relative quality of Amazing Spider-Man 2, I really liked it. Um, I thought the 3D of that was very helpful, but the only other two movies where I've seen where I've got, oh, 3D's part of the storytelling was the somewhat flawed Life of Pi and Martin Scorsese's Hugo, where they're actually trying to create language with 3D. And Brian Singer, for all of what may seem to be in the media his personal faults, uh, the let's say at this point is he is a talented storyteller. It was hard for me to sit there and go, like, am I separating that out? But he is a talented storyteller as a filmmaker, and he is using 3D as part of the language. And there are too many directors that just slap on 3D. You know, he he thought about it. It's very clear that shut, not in the kind of like I gotcha with a spike right. coming out at you. It's like no, this is really yeah. Hard and they didn't it. do that with the spike coming out at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you could have done Wolverine's claws and gone. But when Wolverine had that ball and paddle thing, that was really distracting. That was weird and. Uh, you just told a joke older than you. Okay, so... Uh, House of Wax. Yeah. <laughs> that is older than you, isn't it? It is. Isn't it? No, it Are is. Are you sure? I'm pretty darn pretty sure. Pretty? Okay. I saw it on Creature Features. Okay. Um, I saw it at UCLA. Uh, so, um, let's move to television, and that is that uh, this... We're reading that... What I call my... Almost my favorite time of the year, because I get to catch up on series that I didn't watch during the school year... Uh, but then there is a summer, you know, the networks have caught on and started doing like summer only shows and under the dome, Stephen King's mm-hmm. is returning. So I didn't watch it. I did. My daughter did. So, and she's not here. So it's up to you to be my daughter. Go ahead. Act well, like a teen girl. No, no, no. Believe it or not, not as annoying as you. Yeah. <laughs> so go. No, it's a great series. I mean, you, what, what it really does is it focuses you on this small group of people, and you get to learn who they are pretty fast. And you have the... That doesn't sound like a little girl. Well, no, it, no. It, it will that later did. in post, in post-production. <laughs> that did. Uh, <laughs> but you, you, have a, uh, you have a group of people who are, who are separated from the main people, and there's something yeah. happening to the group. And then you have plots that were underway before the event and those are continuing on and and it is veered a lot from the novel right? yeah it's it's a it's a very different story i think it's a different explanation too for why the dome exists right? yeah um yeah. but the, i mean they haven't actually explained it in the in the tv show okay yeah, why so i mean it's uh, the first story is going to be written the first season opener is written by king and uh that that could be good. That could be bad. I mean, I don't think it's it's necessary for him to be writing the dialogue for these characters that right. are already pretty established. And you know, well, I'm looking most forward to seeing what plot complications have happened for the, my favorite character, Bessie Half a Cow. Yeah, they keep on showing Bessie. 
Because yeah. that was an effect that that that's she, Bessie was. They're going to get their money's worth out of Bessie that. Bessie was a victim of the of the dome coming down, and I'm half gonna, of Bessie is outside, I'm give and half is inside. Two credit, and I've seen the commercial several times, and noticed Bessie is not being shown at all this year. Yeah, they're uh, they're redoing it with. I mean, Bessie is being replaced by the uh, the monarch butterflies. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. There, I mean, there's there's good Howard acting Quartermoth. in it. There's good acting in it, and it's it's the kind of Stephen King story that it kind of it's it's almost the way he does. You know, there's some bad guys who are active and working, and you don't want to be rooting for them because they're the bad guys. They've killed people or done other devastatingly bad things, but they're the ones that that might actually figure things out or get things done. And that's and King loves dealing with that dichotomy and in, in, in well, but it's the real it's the real world yeah. reality of you know it's like sometimes the bad guys are the ones that and you say do get things done the best of us aren't always the best of us at problem solving right, right. and so that's a reality and, and they're not the best of us at survival which is I think Kirkman's point back in Walking Dead you know that the survivors aren't necessarily the best people they're just the people that survived. And so, what's you know what's going to happen? Except there? for our group, our group are the best people. Well, perhaps. Yeah, um, I'll take your word for it. Um, you know, Agent Carter, probably one of the series of the dozens that I'm so excited about for next season. Haley Atwell has uh, pretty much said it's an eight episode in, uh, break in between uh, Agents of Shield mid season, mid season break. So hey, we get eight episodes of Agent Carter. I'll take that yeah. as long as you promise me a second season of Agent Carter. And I think part of it is Haley Atwell is actually very in demand on the BBC. Mm. So, you know, she's an actress who's growing in esteem over there. And so. Well, it's, it's something that, I mean, it's going to be the origins of S.H.I.E.L.D. undoubtedly. I mean, yes. that's what they led into. And they'll probably retell that that original vignette story from Captain America, was it? Uh, it's on the Iron Man 3 disc. It's on Iron Man. Okay. So the idea that, that they're going to do a small story with her, a, a second season could be another era of S.H.I.E.L.D., well, I think probably with a candidate. I'd love to see S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 60s. I know you would, but then she'd be a little too old, I think. Well, you just move on. I don't want to. I don't know. I want to, I want to follow Agent Carter. Yeah. I don't understand. See, I want it to be like Mad Men. I think what I w- don't want it to be is too much of a parallel of like, this is what S.H.I.E.L.D. is dealing with in the present day. And right, stop right. and go eight episodes. And here's of, the origin of that problem. And here's how that problem started. Yeah. So that we know by the end, they're not solving it. I could deal with that for a little bit. I'd like. Uh, Once. Yeah. I could, de- you know, you could have one thing that would be that. Would, but I don't want it to be, you know, if you think about it, Adrian Carter was pretty incompetent because she couldn't wrap up a damn thing. You know. But uh, if you had, like, the since it is the break between S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. sessions. Yeah. If you did like a prequel story to whatever was going on, no, and you no, did absolutely. it at, at the end of a mid-season breaks, uh, you know, reveal, I'm that'd saying be cool. you can do it for one season. Yeah, you can't do it for two. I agree, and I just want to move forward there. Yeah, um, just in uh, IDW and Entertainment One are developing V Wars, Jonathan Mayberry's, which uh, Rick is saying is a novel. I'm not disbelieving him. I'm not sure. I, I just know it. it's. I just know it's a comic book series, and from IDW. And I know that I like Jonathan Mayberry as an author. Really, really great writer. Um, they're developing it as a TV series. And I noticed that IDW done this just recently announced a partnership with Entertainment One. And this is what is happening. I, I'm taken back to Ross Ritchie talking about Boom, saying, you know, if you don't have a Hollywood strategy, you're either stupid or you're a liar. And so IDW has fully embraced having a production company on board. Yeah, it was definitely a book before. It was before a novel. It was, yeah, it was yeah, a okay. Mayberry novel. Okay. Which what I, I, I'm not I was, surprised by. But I, I didn't just, know if it, it was 
like going to be he he writes series too mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i didn't know if this was gonna be a new series it, of books. I, well it's a new comic book series at least but, a TV but series. the book yeah i'd like to see joe ledger get adapted in some a, a big film that would be pretty awesome the God, fight i love ledger if they could just his his stories you could you could choreograph the fight scenes from his prose he is the best fight scene writer i i that i i've ever encountered there might be better but i have not read them yet yeah. because i can see every blow Every, you know every move in his fight scenes so beautifully done. Yeah. Um, also, because it was one of my favorite, one of the few seas, uh, series that I actually watched real time this year, uh, True Detective. Uh, and I swear, if McConaughey, if you told me ten years ago, I'd say ah. this. Um, v Wars the book is is an anthology, a series of connected, so connected a, but independent stories. So it's a. Um, it, well, which is basically kind of like World War Z, uh, right. only with vampires. The vampires come out. We've got a, so it's a shared universe book, right? So Mayberry is the the creator of it, like George R. R. Martin. Yes, we said it because we hope we get more ratings that way. Uh, George R. R. Martin's Wild Cards many years ago. Uh, True Detective uh, has announced its next season. Cast is going to be an anthology thing. Uh, Jessica Chastain has been announced as the detective of Oscar nominee. Jessica Chastain uh, has been announced as the detective of the second season of True Detective. Uh, So which is another one to pay attention to because as as Rick has to catch up on it, right? Right. Um, When Comcast decides to put it back in, which they should because aren't they running like an HBO classic section on their... uh, there's something so noodle around. I'll bet you may still be. Able I to haven't find, looked for a while. I'm just getting caught you up. May on still be able to my DVR. But because stuff. it deals with the uh, the Yellow King and the kind of existential horror thing, the King in Yellow, the King in Yellow, um, and though I have not gone back to parallel, apparently the last episode takes a huge chunk out of Alan Moore's top ten uh, and mm. just borrows it which is like uh, apparently those like last week's game of thrones there's a scene that they just took out of beckett and put into the middle of game of thrones i'm a little concerned these homages hearing that people are like taking but if a which part is supposed to come from beckett the um there was a dying merchant the dying merchant scene is like a scene out of perhaps the play but not the film oh interesting so but i haven't watched beckett in a long time like you know when peter o'toole died almost all the o'toole films that were of any quality Vanished, uh-huh. like got pulled back, and, and uh, so then a chance to rewatch Beckett, uh, not on DVD. Like almost nothing is on of, of the you know. You need Stuntman, you need My Favorite Year, you need right. Beckett, you need Lion in Winter. I think that one may be on, on Blu-ray, but you know, like somebody's. It's almost as if they planned it. Someone is. I have getting two of those three to but... make a big. You know, well, I recorded AMC TCM Turner showed My Favorite Year, and uh-huh. so I managed to pull a recording of that. Um, so that's I can say. What is there anything else in the summer mo- uh, TV season that, uh, like, say Nate's looking forward to? Walking Dead doesn't come back. October. No, Walking Dead doesn't come back until October. True Blood's coming back. Final season of True Blood. Yeah. I don't have HBO. I need Tiffany to talk to somebody. Show. We need to talk to somebody who knows the series of books to see if I think they've gone so wildly apart. If if yeah, so a uh, way back when it's no once um. Uh, once Bill got possessed by Lilith, yeah, I think it was so far gone. There was like uh, Charlene Harris got her lift up her hands and goes. And, and by the way, when she threw up her hands, all this money went up with it. 
<laughs> you know, and she's like, when she, you know, she wrote her capper to it, but she's, it's, which I'm okay with. Okay, so she did cap the series. She did cap the okay, series. Okay, that was what books. I was wondering if she. She did write her final Sookie Stackhouse novel, but they had separated out uh, a long ways back because I know, like, one of the things is Jason in the books has fairy abilities and in the tv series he's still he's a normal uh-huh. and um but that's only because people have told me anecdotally and i don't mind that it's like game of thrones if game of thrones were to veer off of what george R. R. martin wrote and people are fearing the tv series will catch up before you know will surpass where he is in the novels very soon i'm okay with that the book still exists as the books and yeah. if they want to go off and, and they have changed things we didn't even begin with that um the rape scene by Joffrey's. That's not a big uh, change. I didn't think so either from description, but you know, and it's it's arguable. You know, I, let's not get into that. I, I'm so tired of that on the internet. <laughs> well, I know. I just want to go. You know, it's not like they were good people. <laughs> it's like, but because he's handsome, you all got lulled into thinking he was a good guy. Yeah, and no, but good for Nikolai. So um, that's it. We will be. Now, here's the question. Do we know where we're recording at Baycon? Is it going to be a place where people could just come by? I doubt it, right? It's still what within do you mean? It, that people who are not Baycon, Baycon members, if they wanted to come. You'd probably have to be a Baycon member because yeah. we will be in a conference room. We will be in a conference yes, room. Yes, we're not being, we won't be in the we lobby. We have been this in time. lobbies before. Okay, yeah. so that's why, that's where I was confused. We are in a conference room. Yeah. That's excellent. And I like that because I'll be bringing in, we've got a better sound system this year. I'll be bringing that in. And we'll be able to tune it for the room instead of having to fight with whatever ambient noise is going on. In the rest so, of the if you are a Baycon member, we will be podcasting on Sunday rather than rather than next Wednesday. Uh, so we'll be pushing out at, at a slightly different time, and we shall see. If you are listening to this on iTunes, of course, please subscribe, please rate us, please tell your friends, and you could listen to us on the Stitcher app, or Stitcher, you can go to their site, uh, and do the same thing. You can subscribe on Stitcher, you can rate us, you can please tell your friends, or listen to www.fanboyplanet.com, or on the podcast page, each podcast from about five or six back now has its own page, so there's a lot of pictures and information, I love what Rick's been doing with it. And that also gives me a chance to add in some of the Amazon links directly. Uh, so that's great, too, you know, right in there. And, of course, you can follow the Amazon links. If there's anything you hear about on this that you want to take, want to get and you cannot find it at your local small business comic shop, are there any local bookstores left? Uh, yeah. A few. Yeah, we have a couple. Around here, Hickleby's. Okay, we have Hickleby's. We have we have a we have two Barnes and Noble. Those are not independent small bookstores. Oh, but, no. but you know, well, actually, they are endangered. Go to Barnes and Noble. Said, oh, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> well, small, smaller than a, Amazon. E- even a Barnes and Noble is not a small. I mean, they're like huge, but uh, they're endangered. So maybe we should include Barnes and Noble with these yeah. other because I'd like to see those stores stay open. Uh, do support, but if you uh, recycle books, if you can't, that's used. If no, you they can't have new books go to if you can't go there. Go to Amazon and click on our links there. Uh, you can also, while you're there, if you'd like to help us with our hosting costs, please feel free to donate on the PayPal button. If you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We'll see you at Baycon. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for only good. For- Boom.
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. I'm Ethan Castillo, artist and super nerd, reminding you to use your powers only for good. John. Okay, I'm going to set this up between the two of you. As long as you talk to each other, everything should be okay. And I have to project. Yes, and you should come in a little closer. Okay, let me hear you, Ethan. Say hi. Hi. Okay, and Luke? Hello. That sounds pretty good. Let me try one more time. Let's see. All right, Ethan? What up? <laughs> okay, he's ad-libbing. Luke? It's okay. Hello. All right. <laughs> Have at it. Start. Start. Ethan, what inspired you to start drawing? Can we get you Can we get you to do a bumper for us? A bumper is kind of like our catchphrase, but you saying it. So our, sure. our catchphrase is, you say, hi, I'm Ethan Castillo, artist, kid artist, or whatever you want to call yourself, super nerd. And then you say, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Okay, I might have to write that down. What? <laughs> what? So, Wait. whoops, you just introduce yourself, and okay. the, the phrase you're going to have trouble I'm with I'm Ethan Castillo. Hello? Artist and super nerd. Art, artist and super nerd. Reminding you. Reminding you. To. To. Use your powers. Use your powers. Only for good. <laughs> good. Okay, I hope That's I can remember great. that. You are such a good speller too. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. If I have like hard names, like I don't know. Okay, I'm not. Good, at least <laughs> you have good penmanship too. We just got done with the Marvel costume shoot out front. We'll be doing the DC shoot here coming up in about well, like eight shirt. minutes at four thirty. Out front of registration so and down the steps. Yeah. Coming up, join us. Any DC characters? Just talk right into the front of this. Okay. That. <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's fine. Ready? Is it okay if I look at this? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's only audio. It's not, it's not okay, good. I was like, uh, okay. Okay, you don't have to get to that close. There, that's perfect. Okay. I'm Ethan Castillo and Super... Wait. Okay. It's alright. I'm Ethan Castillo, artist and super nerd, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> You had El Pollo Loco. Huh? Oh, it's so good. It's good food. Oh. Yes. Rick had... I had Taco Bell. What Taco they, what Bell. What do they, what they call that special? Bell? The salsa fresca... Not salsa fresca. The 
The fresco. Fresco. Uh, fre- that's fresco, the, bur- fresco burrito. Yeah. Fresco. You can get whatever you want. It means they don't put beans and rice on it and they put more salsa on it instead. I feel to see the point. Hey, but, uh, <laughs> it's tasty. Not if you don't like cilantro. Yeah. Yeah. Which Tiffany hates cilantro. Oh, that's why I like Tiffany. That's not why. It's because she makes you happy. <laughs> Is that why? That's not really it either. Yeah, but she's a nice person. That's why I like her. Um, so, all right. So, That's yeah. A good reason. The power of brains compels you. <laughs>